welcome to reaching for the stars india as a country has seen a lot of youngsters who want to go abroad to study to make a career in the early 2000s we saw a brain drain which increased by a whopping 85% but there are some people who buck the trend today we have with us a very special guest ajayta shah founder and ceo of frontier markets she was born and brought up in new york in an indian diamond family but she decided to come back to india to work in the microfinance sector in tier 2 tier 3 markets and then she set up frontier markets which today is empowering thousands and thousands of women with livelihoods ajayta it's great to have you on the show a very warm welcome and thank you for being with us thank you so much ratna really looking forward to connecting you were born and brought up in the new york so what are some of the memories from growing up in those days in new york and how do they continue to inspire you to do what you're doing right now as an entrepreneur so you know ratna it's a very interesting question because i can tell you that um when my parents moved to new york in the 1980s um we always say it was the jepper jane jeweler um transition to new york so where frankly we built little jepper of the 1980s in new york city and what that meant was that i was very lucky to have a very flourishing cultural experience of really learning what it means mm-hmm. to be desi what it means to be jane and also what it means to be part of a rajasthani culture which was always about you know diwali parties learning how to do kathak making chai learning how to read and write speak in hindi um and also really constantly thinking about how you're supposed to be showing respect to elders and empathy so i'm really grateful for going up in that community because ultimately it was then nicely juxtapositioned with the american culture which ultimately was western thinking which was independence which was about global citizen thinking and design so you can say clash of two worlds but mm-hmm. then getting the best of both to be able to start thinking about how my culture and my identity stays with me where i go but i'm also now capable of thinking about who i am as a person as a global leader and that's really what i brought with me when i moved to india that's fantastic creating a mini rajasthan in new york but you know this is always impressed me you know families who've been there for multiple generations they are somehow more rooted to india and make sure that the kids are brought up with the right cultural values especially if you know they've been brought brought up over there so i think that speaks a lot and you coming back uh to india for your colleague is kind of an extension of that but ajayta what made you take the decision you know from new york to rajasthan and that also not like a finance job in mumbai where you're you know walking into swab offices but you went and worked in microfinance in tier 2 tier 3 markets uh what made you take that jump and how easy or difficult was that so um growing up in in the us i think um especially in the 80s and 90s was a very interesting time because we had humanitarian crises happening we had genocides happening and we also had americans and the united nations you know system really working on wanting to uh address challenges of warfare of poverty of um of trauma and i was a child that grew up and watched all of that um and at the same time you know in the early 2000s you know we experienced our own um reality with 911 
and then going to the Iraq war and Afghanistan and if we start thinking about the different trends in my time growing up it seemed um nonsensical to take the education and take the cultural spirit that I have and apply it to a mundane job I felt like we were all supposed to be responsible for giving back to community and society and making the world a better place I think that's really where the motivation came from in college I was lucky to then experiment on how to do that or how not to do that. So I spent 4 years interning everywhere from Congress in the US to um getting trained in mediation conflict resolution in the Hague to um working in research and ultimately stumbled onto microfinance because one of our alumni was Pierre Midiar, um founder of the Midiar network in the microfinance sector and I was baffled and fascinated by it. Um and I ultimately also recognize that in order to truly give back uh the one learning that you get from mediation conflict resolution is go where you understand the culture the best go where people understand you the best and go where you can actually align on interest to make um better outcomes and for me that became india now why rural india why microfinance um was partially because i really did believe in wanting to create big impact and i believed my role as a global citizen and i wanted to get back into india but also because it was the most amazing opportunity to understand the concept of social business where here you had an industry of financial services but with an intentionality of wanting to serve women and wanting to create impact and reaching the poorest of the poor um nothing like getting a chance to know the other part of india that i never got a chance to understand which is of course the masses and I thought I would do it for 1 year. I was actually going to take a gap year and um work in microfinance for a year. I promised my mom I would come back to America and become a lawyer. Um but that 1 year became 17 uh because of the experiences in itself. Um how difficult or easy it was. I think I was just 20 years old excited about the idea of just getting exposed to everything and anything. So I think that my colleagues just really appreciated how humble I was about not knowing anything and wanting to just adjust. Um I've been a people's person. I knew the language, so I was able to connect quite quickly. I think I always was a shock factor for everyone because they'd hear my American accent, but then they'd hear me speak in Hindi and then they'd get be confused as to where I'm from, which became the tool and the opportunity to make everything work. and that's that's a fantastic story i think that's where you know the whole rooting of your indian culture helped you immediately you know hit the round, ground running when it comes to india you know knowing hindi you know knowing what uh, the people would actually look forward to that's it, it's an amazing uh, journey and you know setting up frontier markets which is actually a social commerce platform going into tier 2 to tier 3 markets understanding what the customer wants and then you know building a network of saheli that you built which is 10000 saheli strong right now it's rural markets and it's women and it's social commerce right all three combinations social commerce being very new rural and women being a difficult combination to put together because it requires a lot of convincing for the women to come out of their houses and say that you know we want to do this how did you do that So I was lucky um to not set up my company before I had a proper level of experience in the microfinance sector. Um I worked in the microfinance industry for about 7 or 8 years, but I was very proud to say I was working with pioneers. I was working with people like Shomit Ghosh, 
um, like Vijay Mahajan, um, Chandrasekhar Ghosh, and Rekha Makula, right? Pioneers of the microfinance sector. Where my role in the sector was always to look at credit plus initiatives. How do we um, serve our customers more effectively by giving them other solutions beyond finance? So I launched the micro, uh, a micro health insurance product for urban India. Um, I launched the Nokia Airtel partnership for rural India. Um, I also failed miserably in trying to bring in clean water and microfinance and energy and microfinance. But in that seven years, I was the luckiest person to be able to travel across Andhra, Karnataka, Urissa, Chhattisgarh, Bihar and these villages. And my job was only to just keep asking people what they wanted and understand their needs more effectively. And then think about delivering a solution that could be justice to what their challenges were. So that experience became a natural thing. I got very good at it. Um, I was doing this in 5,000 plus villages. Uh, I've met millions and millions of rural women and families. And so for me, setting up Frontier Markets became a no-brainer because I wanted to build a, a company that truly was going to democratize the voice of the rural consumer and truly see them with the lens of dignity and not just bichare beneficiaries. That was one. And so the design of the entire model was about what will rural customers need? What they need is trust. Who best to trust than women? Women, the most trustworthy women are people in these villages because everyone knows each other quite well. Social influencers is who I like to call rural women. What rural women do best is they talk to people and they know everything about people. So I think when we were designing a social commerce concept, it said, well, work with the person who knows the most and, and can enter into anyone's household. Um, the thing about rural, working with rural women, of course, challenging in the sense that um, rural women, unfortunately, aren't as digitally savvy. They aren't as educated. They aren't getting access to um, the kind of trainings and skills and market linkages that, let's say, a lot of other men get opportunities to get access to when you think about agent models. But something that's really important about rural women is also the tenacity, the resilience, and the willingness to work. Um, I don't think I've ever met a rural woman who would say, Ki mujhe kamai nahi kar. right? Um, women want to earn income. They want to have agency. They want to contribute to their families. They want to invest in their children's education and their daughter's futures. We were just creating an opportunity to make that happen. And I think um, that became the easy part. Um, bringing technology was again about timing. You know, we've been around for almost 10 years, but our technology was only created four years ago, simply because um, rural India didn't have the infrastructure to embrace technology. There weren't smartphones, there wasn't internet connectivity, there wasn't an opportunity to design. When that happened, that switch happened, it was our rural women that said, let me tell you how I want this technology to function for me and the work I want to do, which is where the co-creation created an opportunity for us to make this work at scale. Right. No, Ajata, I can completely relate to it. If you ask me during the last six months, what has been one day which has been like most uh, fulfilling? And I remember that day is the day when I spoke to some of these Sahelis. It was just amazing to see the transformation in their lives and how grateful they were for that and how energetic they are to say that you know if there is some help coming their way they're ready to grab it with both hands and like go for it completely but I'm sure during your experience of over a decade 
we must be having a lot more heartwarming stories could you share some of them with us i'll tell you my favorite story there's a saheli named kalpna who lives in dholpur mm-hmm. and uh, she was a part of the uh, internet sathi program that google had launched a, f- a few years ago um the program ended she was she she heard about the saro jeevan sehri program and i was in that village that day and she grabbed me and she said do not pick anyone i'm the right person for the job trust me and i said you know and she said just whatever the task is i'm ready to do it and she goes plus i know how to use a smartphone because of these skills i have don't you want me to collect data and do reporting like i was i was shocked to hear this woman from dolpur say this so i told the team i was like okay she test her train her let's get her started within 6 months she was such a rock star that we decided to invite her to jepu um this is 3 years ago or 4 years ago during the jepu literature festival his mm-hmm. vasundhara raje was coming to the lit fest and she was a chief minister and dolpur is their constituent district so kalpana said i have to come i want to come So we said nikin kaam karna padega like you have to work so her and three other sahelis were spending the entire day for three days non-stop talking about what it means to be a saheli talking about solar products and really engaging with the top top of the top kind of people at Jepolit Fest when Basundara Raje showed up they ran through the crowds they created a circle around Basundara so no one can actually come in they then grabbed me my hand and they pulled me in they said and then they started talking to the cm as if you know like she was just another saheli and they wow. said we are women of dholpur we are your constituents we deserve your attention you need to support this woman over here and they started pointing at me because she's doing amazing work for rajasthan and you need to know and it was this amazing moment photos were taken and uh, and the next day kalpana started crying so i thought tears of joy and kalpana said uh you know mai kya karne ke liye aayi thi yahan par bolo kya soch rahe i said what do you mean? so dholpur women don't tend to travel to jaipur for um respectable work right typically there's a rumor that women from dholpur are trafficked or they're going for prostitution so her brother-in-law refused to believe that she was going for real work and spread this rumor in the village So throughout those 3 days that she was this rock star Saheli she was also getting the worst curses and anything possible on her WhatsApp phone and we literally said we took the picture of her and Basundra we framed it and we said take this home with you she got home and she was holding that photo on her chatti like you know like this walking into her village her father-in-law and father both grabbed her and started crying they then took her into the middle of the village and they said this is my beti this is my bindi इससे जो करा है तुम लड़कों सपने में नहीं कर सकते राइट बिकॉज शी वॉज दिस पर्सन एंड फिगर दे सेड बेटा आज तू बता देखो क्या चाहिए जो भी तू चाहती है तुझे दे देंगे शी सेड भाई साहब देखो बेटी चौदह साल की है इसकी शादी ना करवाए इसको कमाई मैं देखना चाहती हूँ कि इसकी कमाई हो तो कैसे करेंगे मेरे पास पैसे हैं मैं इसको स्कूल में भरा दूंगी प्राइवेट एजुकेशन के लिए दैट वॉज हाउ दहेलीज देन लॉन्च दिस इंटायर कैंपेन टू सेव child their daughters from getting married at 14 we had 14000 girls get saved because of kalpana that's one of my favorite stories yeah this is really a keepsake 
and it's so very inspiring i'm sure for all the people who are listening to you and who are on the edge of saying that whether we should do this social venture or not i think the peripheral impact of doing these things is so very high especially at this point in time in india when there is so much support for impact i am sure they're going to get encouraged thank you so much for sharing this ajayta it's it's really wonderful now coming to a little bit of the commercial aspect of social commerce right so social commerce definitely is growing there is a lot of interest in it uh we've seen uh, some players jump into it a lot of fundraising happening in the sector as well but you know that is one side of it right the other side of it there are also naysayers who say that social commerce is good there is a need for social commerce you need to reach the products to these people who don't have access but are aspirational and do have income right but where is the scale how will the scale because it is so customized it is so operational heavy as you very rightly said i think tech when you spoke about tech and see the right time for tech i think there can't be a model without tech correct but what do you think about it in terms of the future scope and the ability to scale social commerce so let's look at this in our angle of rural social commerce and what we see of rural india today mm-hmm. there are 700000 villages there are 800 million uh consumers who are hungry for access and quality products and services even if they only spend 30000 rupees in a year you're talking about a trilli- trillions of rupee business that is um waiting to be unlocked and there are brands and uh companies that are watching it that absolutely want to tap this new market channel but do not as you rightfully said want to build the infrastructure now what's exciting if you look at rural india in terms of infrastructure perspective it's actually already established right today we have roads today we have internet connectivity today we have electrification but also we have infrastructure um that has been designed through ministry of rural development with the self help groups right these women collectives there's 165 million women that are organized in these collectives where data has been captured on who they are where the villages have been mapped and the pin codes have been created and these women are connected to families who again meet the 800 million customer base so the scale is um achievable if you understand who to partner with to really bring this infrastructure in play we have recently um started working on partnerships with government for this reason because we know we want to tap that self help group network get access to that data bring it into our platform and then again leverage technology differently and um i believe that if we just take the way frontier markets operates today our hindi um as being our core language that we have on our platform today we can scale to five states in less than a year without changing anything and just partnering with that ecosystem that is over 1 million rural women entrepreneurs covering almost 100 million families that's big scale fairly fast if we wanted to move this into the south or into um other areas with different dialects we can again just switch the language because the infrastructure is already there but on the customization piece and i think this to me is always really interesting um when you start understanding the pulse of the rural customer and you start getting true insights the reality is that most farmers have very similar needs most mothers have very similar needs most children have very similar needs so when you start thinking about sectors that you want to introduce in terms of product categories it's actually not that customized the volume is so massive 
that you're able to look at this with a very different lens of innovation. One simple example that I think Ratna, you know, but you know, I wonder if the audience would benefit from this is when we found that one nugget last year about our rural women farmers who wanted cattle feed for their bhese, but they didn't want to travel five kilometers. And we converted our model to a doorstep delivery model of cattle feed. And you know this, in less than six months, we sold over 634,000 bags of cattle feed. That's scale, that's volume, that's business, because that product partner made 80 crores. And I think there's a huge opportunity here if we start looking with that lens of where the physical infrastructure already exists and how to leverage it. Where do you look at partnerships to be able to quickly move and maneuver faster? And where does technology then play this incredible role to be able to create efficiencies, leverage data differently and open market opportunities? Yeah, I think, you know, especially the rural India or Bharat, if you have to approach it, the approach has to be a slightly more niche and a nuanced approach. Like you said, use, utilizing the whole self-help group network. So I'm sure I, I think social commerce will be very big because if you have to succeed in India, a lot of companies have till now operated in top 10, top 20 cities. But going beyond that is where the real need is now. So very, very interesting. Ajita, you've had you know, a very fast-paced uh, life in terms of entrepreneurship, managing multiple things. How do you balance uh, work and life in the sense, I'm, I'm not actually asking that, you know, cliche question which everybody asks a woman entrepreneur or a woman professional, work-life balance, work-life balance. Rather, I would say that quality of life is something which is very important to every person. And I think more so it's what highlighted in the last two years. Yeah. So what What is your passion outside of work or what is something that you do outside of work which really helps you improve quality of life? So it's hard to say that because I think my work is my quality of life in itself because I really love what I do, right? I always say it's about working smart, not working hard. Mm -hmm. And it's also about making sure you're having fun while doing it because it does take over almost 80% of your life, right? And so for me, you know, you can catch my friends always telling me to stop talking because I just love it so much because there's so much nuances and innovation and there's so much going on in this world that's kind of linked to your ethos of development and it's the core of who I am. So I think that in itself does give me a lot of joy. But also, um, I think I love meeting people, right? I love meeting new people, young entrepreneurs, people that are working outside of my country. So. The idea of cross exchanges to learn and get to meet people and connect is also a big passion of mine. So I do like going to conferences and stuff for this very reason, because I just love learning new things or getting a chance to just meet new people and understand their perspectives to the things that I'm thinking about, which again, helps me a lot. Um, I'm very close to my family and my family um, lives in New York. So I do try to make it a point to try to get to New York at least once every three to six months for even if it's two weeks, mm -hmm. just to be able to be, you know, quality um, uh, and also, you know, really getting a chance to be with my siblings and um, we're best friends. And so I think that's really been a big part of what I love. Um, I love singing. I'm, I'm a big fan of Bollywood music and Dakshri and all of that. So we do, I do that a lot. Um, my dad and I, whenever we meet, we karaoke. So it's something that, you know, is really, Again, soothing. One thing I appreciated about lockdown was that it did force me to slow down. It forced me to, um, I was able to then make the excuse of not traveling. 
And the amount of hours that I saved allowed me to then start thinking a lot more about meditation, yoga, and things like that. So I do think that well-being um, is no longer um, something that we say, we, oh, we should do. I think now it's so critical to carve that time and actually ensure that even if it is for 20 minutes a day, you are taking that time to do physical well-being for yourself. And I think that's become a really big part of my normal practice, which is helping me be sane. Yeah, I think going back to your roots, whether it's nature or whether it's your family, I think there is no substitute for that. They completely identify with what you're saying. If not uh, frontier markets or if not an entrepreneur, what would Ajeta be? You know, if you ask people, they would probably say politician. Oh, that's what people would probably say. Uh, literally all the time, either an American politician or an Indian politician or a global politician. But I'll tell you, um, I never thought I was, I didn't know that I was going to be an entrepreneur. Um, my ultimate goal actually always was that I wanted to be Secretary of State of America because I always thought about global diplomacy and I always thought about, you know, um, trying to understand where leaders can actually make better decisions. So I always saw myself either at like some UN body or some in a world economic body or something or the other. So I don't think that um, it's over. I think there's still that future. Um, and then the other area is um, what I really love and I'm doing it now is um, getting more involved in the investment space. Um, it's something that I'm really, I always feel like, you know, the voice of the entrepreneur can be better utilized if we co-design innovation and financing. And in, in the last 10, 20 years, I realized more and more I get the knack and I understand these perspectives. So I'm excited to design for big and for big scale and look at that. So those are probably the areas, but I guess they're all still thematically in the social space. So mm -hmm. I guess I don't escape that. But it's a very interesting take when you say that I want to, want to be a politician or want to be, you know, somewhere in the bureaucracy, secretary of state. I think young girls today don't really think about it. But you know, that, that can be hugely inspiring to a lot of people who are you know in this new day and age when doctors, lawyers, engineers, accountants, those professions are not what you have to do or what you're expected to do and there are a lot more avenues which open up and this is a very interesting facet that you brought to us today. You know one thing I've learned which is so interesting because I've been uh, I mentor a lot of young women um, a lot of millennials especially who constantly come up with these new business ideas and it's always fun to see where their head is. But what, what they said, which I think is so interesting, is they've said that, you know, we didn't grow up with the same uh, rhetoric as you did. You know, we were told we could do anything and be anything. And so, and, and they're also growing up in a world where, I'm sorry, you, you can't ignore what's happening around you. You can't ignore climate change. You can't ignore COVID pandemic. You cannot ignore systems racism. And so fundamentally, I think what's so interesting is that I think today, there's really, it's like a no-brainer in my perspective. And I always get jealous of this younger group, um, not to say that I'm that old, but still the younger lot, because they're getting to take their skills of technology, AI, design, and see this world with the lens that's so in front of them that if they don't take the chance, there's a really weird question about value systems and their upbringing that probably should come in. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell you how much I relate to this, you know, because you said there is a cohort of kids today who are given an open plate to say that, you know, do whatever you want, make a difference. I have a six year old at home and, uh, you know, if you ask her today what she wants to do, she will tell you without 
the blink of an eye that I want to become the Prime Minister of India. Amazing. And this Amazing. is not because we've told her that you know this is an option for you. In fact, it it just was a surprise to us that how did she even think about that? When you ask her, she's like, um, you know, I really love my country and I wanted to see among the top countries in the world. And that's why I want to become the prime minister. Amazing. I think Ajayta, it's been really fantastic talking to you. You know, just knowing Ajayta as a CEO of Frontier Markets is a, a different thing. And getting to talk to you today to understand the passion behind creating it is a totally different ball game altogether. I'm so glad to have done this session with you, and I'm sure for our viewers, it is so very encouraging and enlightening.